Good morning. Oh, it's been a bit of a rush, but we finally got there in the end. <laughs> I mean, finding a place to park in London in the morning. Tell me um, about it. I was expecting going to be late two yeah. hours, oh, not five minutes. <laughs> and then you end up costing me a good like thirty pound an hour to park as well. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's the price you have to pay living in London. Time is money. It really means. Oh it man, it definitely does. It definitely does. But first of all, I'd like to thank you for coming to Let's Do Humans podcast and Thanks accepting my invitation. Thanks and for the invitation. I have no idea how you found me. <laughs> yeah, do, do you know what's funny? So um, I've, I've been studying a lot in regards to like Africa and business and e-commerce and 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 online businesses and with the emergence of the internet in Africa and particularly West Africa. Yeah. And I think I was just on YouTube one day, just typing in like Africa and business. Uh -huh. So it must have been on one of the tags on one of the videos yeah. that we've done with TED Talk. Yeah. I guess once you do some search on online business in Africa, I'm gonna pop up. Yeah, <laughs> at some definitely. Point, yeah. Definitely, you're becoming like the spokesman now. So <laughs> <laughs> spokesman for the like the, um, the well European investment into um, Africa, and particularly and in yeah. particularly Nigeria that you've been working with um, yes. recently. Yeah. So yeah, my name is Marek Smyslovski. I moved yeah. to Nigeria 2012. I was working okay. with Rocket Internet, which is like a big online company. Yeah. Yeah, At that time, they raised some crazy money. I think it was close to half a billion dollars mm. to, to basically invest or build your own mm. uh, online business models because you already knew that in more developed countries, at some point, there will yeah. be big online businesses existing, like you know, yeah. online travel agencies or e-commerce or, e or marketplaces, yeah. etc. And they wanted to invest it relatively early in, 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 in the sub-Saharan African markets, mm -hmm. hoping that, you know, once the economy goes up, yeah. the market, the internet market will also go up. And whoever becomes player number one early enough, mm. will, it's going to be then much easier to remain the position of That's number definitely. one and grow together with the, with the market. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Um, so it's all about positioning and timing as well. They, so I went through your website and there was an interesting quote that you had on there as, as yeah. part of your bio. And the quote read, so... Um, Building business outside the first world so it becomes first. Yeah. Can you explain that a little bit for Yeah, me? many people accuse me that this is racist or borderline. <laughs> it was a bit confusing. I mean, <laughs> I didn't think it was racist, but it kind of caught me off guard. I was like, it's interesting. It makes a lot of sense, but yeah. I just wanted to understand your mindset regarding that statement. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's very simple. So mm. from the very personal perspective, I really enjoy doing businesses in, in the frontier markets or emerging yeah. markets because I like chaos. Okay. You know, Poland yeah. was really in, in a mess 20, 30 years ago economically. And, yes, but then yeah. that's the most fun... When, when you run businesses. Mm. Like in Germany, your friends now, the business, everything, everything is saturated. There are rules and regulations for everything. Yeah. And there's only so many new businesses you can, you mm. can, you can launch. I, the way I saw it is that, you know, if I want to do a new business in Europe, then it's going to be another application for millennials, figuring out how to steal their credit cards data yeah, from yeah. the parents, yeah? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and in countries like Nigeria and Kenya, you just, you, you just go there and you see that there are some businesses which don't exist yet, but they already exist in, in, in Europe. Mm. So that's the personal part. Like I just enjoyed that at a very early stage, mm -hmm. uh, from a, from an investor perspective, from a basically entrepreneur perspective. Yeah. I see opportunities, uh, and from a, like a less personal, more maybe idealistic perspective, mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer in capitalism, yeah. but that healthy stage of capitalism based yeah. on small and medium enterprises. Now we're not talking about corporations who like you know take advantage of people that mm. are not educated and and destroy the environment. I'm talking yeah. about you know small and medium enterprises 
small capitalists, small entrepreneurs who, who make money by solving people's problems. So like local business good. or you're talking about development? Uh, local, local businesses. So for example, you know, we, uh, we, we're launching a, you know, a hotel booking website so people right now can, can book a hotel online. They don't have to like, risk going from the street and, and, and risking that there, there's no room, uh, yeah. room available. That was, that was the reality in Nigeria in 2012. Wow. So you're you kind of closer to the, to the normal real life problems. You don't come up with problems to solve them. Yeah. That, that's how I saw it. And, uh, you know, again, I, I've been accused of being, of be, uh, like, people even called me white savior at, at one point. But, the way, yeah. I, but I'm not afraid to, you know, uh, con conquer that, mm. that statement. When, I, when we launched our online travel agency in Nigeria in 2012, and we were hiring people straight off the bat, straight off the, poly, you know, Polytechnic, uh, Technical University or University of Lagos, uh, there were not too many online companies that were yeah. hiring at that point. What was the skills there, though? The, the talent yeah. was there. Yeah. The skills and the experience you had to, you had to put in. Uh, yeah, develop. Yeah, but at that stage, you know, if, if, there were not too many alternatives to be hired in, a, in an international online company for someone that really wanted to, to work in an international online company from yeah. Nigeria. So in a way, um, we were also contributing to the, uh, to the ecosystem by being one of the first guys to, to allow you to, to have exposure to such a type of experience. Yeah, amazing. Uh, yeah. Um, so some would say, well, what's the Polish man doing in Nigeria? And how, how did you find the, the change in culture and custom initially? Because I mean, I was, read, I was listening to one of your talks and there was an interesting point that you made that prior to like your mid-20s, you had never yeah. even got in contact with a black person before. Yeah. So how was that kind of culture shock for you? Yeah, first black person I spoke to was the, an ambassador of Nigeria when I went to the interview to oh, ask wow. for a visa. Yeah. Poland was a very homogenic <laughs> country. Uh, and this is a problem because you meet a black person for the first time and you don't even know if you're a racist or not. So <laughs> yeah. you know. Which is the honest thing to say, actually, definitely. Because yeah. uh, you don't know how you're going to react to it and what, what yeah. the sort of like, communications uh, and, and I said that because I remember reading an article for parents. It's like, you want to raise a racist kid, kids, mm. pretend that colors don't, don't exist. Mm. And then they just come up with their own sometimes assumptions, which are not, not, not good. Yeah. You got to educate them about you know, the differences, etc. Most definitely, yeah. Uh, but coming back to your uh, question, for me, it was no decision making. It was just an opportunity to work for this huge online company called Rocket Internet. At that stage, everyone doing business in online wanted to work with them. Mm. It's like when you want to be a great manager or consultant, you want to work for McKinsey. Yeah. When, you be a, when you want to be a racing driver, your ideal company to work with is Ferrari. Yeah. So Rocket Internet used to be, I think it still is, for, uh, like this, this Ferrari of, of online businesses. Okay, so you want to work there for a couple of years mm -hmm. to uh, get experience. And at that stage, they said, well, right now we have an opening in, uh, in Adria. We're, op we're opening those companies from scratch. Mm. We're going to be technically employee number one. You're going to help us launch it from scratch. Um, sorry, there's a flea here. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, <laughs> I have nothing to lose. If we, mm. if we fail, it's going to be mostly your money. I'm just losing time, but I'm getting a lot of experience. Mm. So I, I really had no knowledge of Nigeria because unfortunately, you know, the Polish education system doesn't really teach you much about what happened. Yeah. What's the history of Nigeria? What's the history of Africa? I think like, most European education systems don't really necessarily give you like an in-depth history. Uh, and, exactly. And culture. Yeah. There's so many crazy shit happening yeah, in, in yeah, the definitely. last centuries all over the world that you just don't, your head is not big enough. Yeah. And, and obviously we knew that, you know, there was colonization, which was extremely bad. Mm -hmm. And then the European, so the UK and, and France technically liberated, allowed this African countries for independence, mm. but the way they did it kind of put them in even harder position. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's what we knew. Uh, but at the same time, I really went to Nigeria without really, without much bias. Mm because I didn't have that knowledge. I was kind of ready for anything. And luckily for me, I have realized that 
my personality and also Polish mentality and Polish culture is not that far from Nigeria. Like okay. we're also very religious yeah. country. We're also late for everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's one of the big ones in West Africa. Well, I think most parts of Africa. Yes. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. time. There's a there's a philosophical approach to time yeah, <laughs> to the concept yeah. of time. Um, it's a hierarchical thing as well. Uh, yeah. It's, it's got a strange little undertone. You need to. Uh, and uh, what what else? Um, I guess you care about building informal relationships mm. before you enter business with someone. Like you many times do meetings in the evening or on a Sunday because you want to mm. meet your, get to know your potential business partner mm. better. Because let's face it, just because you have something in the contract doesn't mean it's going to be delivered. Like you yeah. want to get to know that person. Um, and I think above all, uh, that stage where Nigeria was uh, in 2012, because that was the first time I went there, that really reminded me of Poland of the early 90s when the communism has collapsed yeah. and we were on the edge of this huge economical revolution where huge fortunes were built overnight, almost. Mm. At that stage, I was only a couple of years old in Poland, so I kind so of missed, missed that opportunity. Yeah. But you were able to see that change happen. You I saw could the transition. see that, exactly, yeah. yeah. And I was like, this is going to happen in the next 10, 20 years. Mm. And there are some problems on the way. There's corruption, etc., etc. People yeah. really don't have purchasing power. There's it tends to happen with the booming economies, yeah. Yeah, but in the end, it, it will grow because I think, again, let's go back to these corporations and to, mm -hmm. and to business, like, even if they're bad, they will make sure that you have purchasing power so yeah. you can make, let them make, make money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so, so Nigeria was, for me, was like Poland of the early 90s. That was like a very simplistic approach, but like 10 times bigger. Yeah. Oh, wow, amazing. Um, th there's, a, there's a misconception and a stereotype that there's a lot of poor people in Africa. Like whenever you w watch stuff on TV in terms of imagery and vision and the narrative that's being put forward is that Africa is poor. Yeah. W what is your experience with Africa in, in terms of economics and um, how do people operate it? So in terms of images, I think mm -hmm. in economy and again generally in business, yeah. we, we live in a world of self-fulfilling prophecies. Mm. The NGOs, which I'm not a fan of, uh, usually will enforce the negative image but because that helps them raise money. Mm -hmm. So we as business people, we're trying to counterbalance it with telling the good story about Africa. Africa, like you probably noticed in my TEDx talk, yes, yeah. to push the positive message. Because even if sometimes it's not as good everywhere as it's good in Lagos, maybe there are still villages where there's a lot of poor people and there's still places in Lagos where there's a lot of poor people, mm -hmm. you need to push that positive message across. Because once you push the positive message across, investors will come, money will come, mm -hmm. and the money will actually help turn this positive message into a wider, a wider reality. Yeah. Obviously, Africa is extremely rich in terms of natural resources and GDP. The problem is, is how that money is distributed, how much of that money is stolen. Mm -hmm. And obviously, the inequalities are huge. Uh, like in, in Nigeria, you have 180 million people, but only 2 million people make more than $10,000 per year. Yeah. Uh, so you can imagine where is the, all the wealth accumulated. Mm -hmm. So the whole point is just to re redistribute it in a better way. Yeah. And you can do it either or both by actions of the government and obviously business growing middle class giving more places to work ex ex expanding purchasing yeah. power and so on it, it, it's also a proven fact that um, capitalism and business has has taken loads of people out of poverty in terms of like if you look at human history and the human skill yeah. so it, it does have fantastic points I know there's a lot of people that are against capitalism not truly understanding what true capitalism is yeah um, so I know we don't have much time today yeah. but if you were to give a bit of advice today to, to anyone wanting to go and invest in Africa how did you go about seeking opportunity and executing? 
And the reason I asked for this is because on a personal level, yeah. I mean, I was born in Ghana, West yeah. Africa, but I left at the age of, I think, around three or four-ish. Yeah. And I've been back on holiday. Yeah. Whenever I go back, it's just to enjoy myself. Yeah. And I've established, I'm starting to build businesses over here and, and yeah. starting to put my ideas together. Yeah. But my heart is always set at home. Yeah. But then I've been fed all of these misconceptions about Africa, which I'm kind of starting to unravel at the moment. But yeah. you're someone that's been there and done it in a yeah. proven scale. How did you go about doing that? So let's set the stage here. Like We're talking about someone who wants to do business in Africa, invest in Africa, and yeah. minimize the risk, maximize the potential Most opportunity. Yeah. Because obviously you can do it for romantic purposes. That's yeah. not what I'm talking about. Let me start with an anecdote. When we were launching back, back in the days, Jumia Travel 2012, mm -hmm. it was still called Jovago back then. We, we wanted to find out how big is the market in Nigeria of hotels. Mm -hmm. We hired a huge consulting company, one of those, those big fours, mm -hmm. and they said, there are 4,000 hotels in Nigeria. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, let's, I'm not going to take your word for it. That one's known of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I went to Lagos, and then after a couple of months, we found more than 3,000 hotels just in Lagos, oh, wow. Nigeria. Yeah. And then after two years, we were working with more than 9,000 hotels just in Nigeria. Mm. So, and, and another example was last year, we were trying to do analysis how, man, how much money was invested from venture capital funds mm -hmm. into startups in Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa. Three companies did the research. Mm. First company said 300 million. Second mm. company said 700 million. Third company said 1 billion, 100 million. Yeah. You can imagine that difference. So the point I'm trying to make is, is that it's impossible for me if, if you want to maximize the chance of your success to do it remotely. Like mm. you just have to go all in. You just move there. And you, you, you're okay with spending in particular market of your choice mm. two, three years to really launch your business off the ground. Whether this is investment or building your own company or doing a JV with anyone, mm -hmm. you just absolutely have to be, uh, have to be on the ground. Yeah. Uh, what else? If someone is living in Europe, then even just by observation and being used to living in an in a, in economy that is more developed, yeah. maybe things work a little bit better. Like you, you, I guess in London you have less problems with power cuts and, mm -hmm. and running water, yeah. etc. There's so much more co companies already here existing. Once you arrived in, uh, in, uh, in, in countries like Ghana, Nigeria, etc., you should definitely play to take advantage of your experience mm -hmm. and the fact that you, you, you've lived uh, somewhere else before. I'm talking about connections and access to uh, investors. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about knowing what businesses worked or didn't work or are interesting where you come yeah. from and maybe try to implement them in the country where, you, where you're at. Mm -hmm. However, you, you, for sure, you will not succeed if you're just going to copy-paste the model one-to-one. -one. I oh, guess okay. you can copy the business model mm. because, or the idea for the business, but the execution will be like a totally different story. Yeah. Many times I've, I've seen that people were just copying successful businesses from the States and Europe, trying to put them in Nigeria or Kenya. Yeah. They failed. I think we should look more sometimes to what's happening in India or China. Uh, because businesses that work there usually are more resilient because mm -hmm. the markets and economies are also harder there. Mm -hmm. The demographics is more similar in India to mm -hmm. Nigeria than, than, I don't know, uh, states to Nigeria or, mm -hmm. or France to Nigeria. I'm talking about inequality, purchasing power, yeah. log logistics problems, infrastructure problems, etc. So that's the that, that second thing. And the third thing is that, I mean, I would always play on building business in an area I'm an expert in. Just because you're eating in restaurants in London for many years doesn't, doesn't mean, mean you're going to open a yeah, restaurant in Lagos. Definitely. That's the recipe for failure. Mm -hmm. But if you've been an engineer or an or, or an associate or, or I don't know, a freaking expert in anything, whatever you've been doing here, try to do business around this uh, in, in that new country because I hope this is also your passion because you've mm -hmm. been working for a couple of years there. At least you have a safe start because you're running business in an area that you 
you're kind of some kind of an expert just because you were working there. Mm. So, um, so if you run a, a restaurant in, in London, then that would be an example of launching a restaurant yeah. in Lagos, which is a totally different animal, mm -hmm. but at least you have some basics that you already Most were definitely. aware of. Yeah? yeah. So if you were working in an, I don't know, um, again, I'm going to use my uh, example. If you were working in a hotel mm. in, in London, then you, know, you can go to, to your home country or whatever country you, your roots are from or wherever, whichever country you're going to yeah. choose and maybe think of something in that area. Maybe your own hotel, maybe software for hotels, maybe online travel agency, mm -hmm. maybe you want to op open your own travel agency. But you know, don't just jump not only geographically to a totally different world, but uh, uh, and don't uh, so you're you're jumping to a totally different world in terms of geography and economy. Yeah. At least keep the same sector. Most definitely, that's that's a really um, interesting and a great piece of advice because I think what I tend to realize with a lot of the diaspora going back and starting businesses is that yeah. they start businesses that they're not passionate about, and businesses that they're not skilled in or have any history or yeah. um, any experience in whatsoever. So it's fantastic that you're saying that it's ideally to go back there and do something that you're well experienced in, so yeah. that the passion still remains when you're there. Because if you're doing something that you've never done before, going there to be a res um, restaurateur when you've never worked in that field, it's going to be completely chaos for Correct. you. Correct. I mean, that sounds yeah. obvious, but people make that mistake. So. Most definitely, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, since we're only here for a short time, I would also like you to um, discuss your new book, yes. by the way. Chasing, um, Chasing Black Unicorns. Chasing Black Unicorns, <laughs> which is a fantastic title and a great story as well, because I know you're you're, you, you discuss a lot of your personal stories that you've gone through, yeah. and you kind of like mix it in and elaborate some of the business elements into it. Yeah. Can you just give me a little um, yeah. brief... Overview of the book. Please. So two thirds of this book is really about my business adventures in Africa. Mm. When I moved to Africa, when I was moving there, I was looking for literature about running business in Nigeria mm. and in Kenya, in South Africa, because I was, you know, an ignorant. I yeah. didn't know anything. I needed knowledge, and there was nothing. Yeah. So you could you could read some books written by some professors from a university, mm -hmm. very theoretical. Yeah. Or books of you know some crazy guy that take on a, took a bike and then went to Sahara Desert. Yeah. Not my type of knowledge. So mm. at some point I was like, if I ever make any mistakes, if I come up with any business insights. Mm -hmm. Then maybe I will put that in a book because I always wanted to write a book. And it's been, you know, I, it's been seven years since I've been doing businesses in in, in mm. Sub-Saharan Africa. So I guess I've made my part of mistakes. Yeah. Uh, so long story short, you know, with Rocket Internet, we've launched this big e-commerce group consisting mm -hmm. on of e-commerce uh, marketplace, online travel businesses, food delivery, etc. And it ended up going public in April this year on the New York Stock Exchange. Yeah. So it, it was a crazy ride uh, with investors, with building teams, etc. Mm -hmm. Spending sometimes too much money on marketing because you had too much money from investors, yeah. and going to from too much money from <laughs> investors to going almost bankrupt, etc. Yeah. So that's first big part of the book. Uh, and then the second one is uh, a pretty crazy adventure where I, I opened a software company and I had a local business partner from Nigeria. Mm -hmm who at some point uh, decided to get, get rid of me from the company. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. there, was, there was Interpol involved. There was police bribery involved. I've heard that story. Yeah, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, I almost spent some jail time in Nigeria. Mm. Um, for some time, I was on Interpol most wanted list. And that's a serious list, by the way, for the listeners. It's a pretty serious yeah. list. Like, I, my mm. name was next to terrorists from Boko Haram. Oh, Let's wow. just put it this way. Yeah. And, and obviously, there was an extortion attempt. There was an offer. If I pay $300,000, everything will disappear in a couple of days. Mm. And basically, I decided to uh, to, to fight this in a legal way, mm. 
because I've realized if I come out of this alive, it's going to be a freaking good book out of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so long story short, yeah. I was able to win everything with Interpol. I'm right now the, the first foreigner, I guess, in the history of Nigerian Ministry of Justice. Sorry, that yeah. was Siri. Turn off. No, that's fine. First foreigner in the history of Nigeria judicial system that yeah. took Nigerian police to court wow. and won. And that's <laughs> a title to behold, especially coming from Africa. I know exactly how difficult that must have been. It wasn't yeah. easy. Like my, so listen, my lawyer is a very courageous man, you yeah. know, because he was the one going to court yeah. and he, and, 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 and he was the one, you know, risking sometimes his safety, you know, going to the police station and, and giving them a doc court documents, etc., yeah. and, and asking for explanations. So yeah, and everything that was that uh, that was put in the book. Um, I first I published this in Poland. It became a bestseller. Right now I I, I changed this into English. And uh, yeah, we've launched uh, the the premiere has already been in the yeah. states in, in Amazing. UK. Amazing, yeah. yeah. And I'm definitely going to be promoting the book, and I'm going to be Thank checking so it out much. myself. But what what is the black unicorn? We can actually do, you know, the voucher. Let's do humans. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a fifty percent discount. For, okay, for the e book, <laughs> definitely yeah? appreciate that. Yeah, I'll definitely be promoting that. But what, what is the black unicorn, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah. So in, in our have you found it? In, in, in I know the whole point is that you keep, you keep chasing them. Keep chasing you them, keep yeah. they run away. So mm. Jumia actually became a unicorn for a week. After yeah. they did an IPO, we did an IPO, mm -hmm. uh, the shares went up. Mm -hmm. They were high enough that the yeah. whole valuation of the company was one billion. Mm -hmm. And then obviously the shares went down, so Jumia is not a unicorn yet. Yeah. <laughs> so you always chase them. You you know? Millions it, yeah. of companies are trying to become a unicorn and one, one of them becomes. Mm -hmm. But the whole book is about the realization that it's not about chasing the unicorn. Sometimes it's about just finding happiness in life and, yeah. and that happiness can come from building a small company mm. that is highly profitable, maybe smaller scale, but that's what you want. Mm. You shouldn't kill yourself just by chasing someone else's dreams. Most definitely. Uh, so this is why chasing and, and black because obviously, uh, uh, you know, all of my professional really startup life in the last nine years, mm. seven years was, was focused on, on mm. Sub-Saharan. Sub-Saharan Africa. Africa. I have nothing else to do business-wise yeah. outside. That's super interesting. Yeah. So you've gone from like not having any contact with any black people whatsoever. I to really now immersed. I know, yeah. was the word immersed myself yeah. in this because I really fell in love with that with, with many cultures. Because we're talking mm. about you know you know hundreds of ethnic groups, thousands yeah. of tribes, etc. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware well. of that. Mm. Uh, but when we're talking about about Africa, I'm, I'm generalizing and I'm using one name as a synonym for. A lot of fun and opportunity. Mm. Uh, that, that, that's how that's how I see it. Yeah, yeah. To, to me, it comes across that uh, that you're you're a true entrepreneur. You're someone who enjoys the build. You enjoy the chase. Because even the title in itself states to me that you're not completely happy with a, just building a business and establishing it. Yeah, you, you're you're continuously wanting to build and regenerate. I enjoy that early part, that crazy mm. part where you have to push for everything. It's not mm. about the part where it's not about optimizing processes, doing the things right. Mm. Again, it's going to be a buzzword. But doing the right things, just pushing mm. the company off the ground. And it happened a couple of times to, to me that the company was already bigger. We had some nice revenue. Mm. We had like almost 100 people in the office. And at that stage, I'm just, I have no fun to come to the office. It's yeah. hard for me to wake up in the morning. Like, then, then I want to just give it to someone else and start something start else something from scratch. Yeah. In the beginning, I thought it's a sign of immaturity. Mm. But then after, you know, I turned 30, after I did enough personality tests yeah. and <laughs> spoke to enough business psychologists, yeah. You just realize that you're just this type of personality mm -hmm. and uh, the best way to utilize it is to work with companies at this stage. Oh, okay, amazing. And um, what next for Africa? What would you say is next for Africa? What's the next phase that Africa is entering into as a business hub? So definitely fintech. Uh, so our, our investment thesis was that once you have telcos, telcos mm -hmm. in, in developed, once you have online banking more or less developed, mm -hmm. that's the next way for e-commerce, marketplaces, etc. Mm -hmm. It turned out that people in Africa still like to shop offline much better. Yeah. 
because they like to buy shop, uh, shop, shop offline, but also um, there's still so many uh, logistics challenges to make e-commerce be a very comfortable uh, experience. Mm. But now clearly, because Africa doesn't have that legacy of old banking systems mm. that are trying to stop the changes down, you can see the growth of mobile banking, uh, personal mobile wallets yeah, on the phones, now, yeah. and especially blockchain. I'm, I don't know why my Siri is turning on. She wants to enter the conversation. Yeah. And blockchain uh, being uh, having a huge chance to being developed mm. much faster here, because if, by here I mean Sub-Saharan Africa, mm. because um, there's no other system that the blockchain has to compete with, really. Like you're kind of building many things yeah. straight off the ground. If I'm correct, I think Facebook wants to test Libra, their, their cryptocurrency, okay, yes, yeah. in one of those African countries yeah. first. Uh, it seems like those new fintech solutions are being tested many times in Africa mm -hmm. first because there's a big demand for this. And I could already see that there are some African companies in the fintech space mm -hmm. that are already now conquering Asia. Mm -hmm. There's a company from Jumo, from South Africa called Jumo. Uh, they do many things, but among many things they do in fintech, they can give you credit, they can give you loans, okay. not based on your banking scoring, but yeah. based on your history of using your phone. I mean, how oh, often wow. you were up, topping up your data, topping up your airtime. So do they ask to see your um, They have an integration usage? with a okay. telco, yeah? yeah? So if you like, if you had like many times you were at zero, then that probably meant that you had you know, some financial problems. Mm. Basically, there are some algorithms which can give you credit scoring based on the usage of your phones. Yeah which is easier to do than you know, creating a, a history, a positive history in the bank. And that you know, very innovative approach, among other things they do, mm. allow them to raise money from international investors and now they're opening offices in Asia. Mm. So you see you know, African financial services company expanding to Asia. There is a company called Lydia from Nigeria yeah. who's been giving loans to small and medium enterprises, I believe based on their cash flow on the credit card terminals. Okay. And now they raise money from international investors and they're opening office now in Poland and Czechia, Czech wow. Republic. Is that a completely Nigerian run or is that run by... So uh, the founders are is a Nigerian guy from Turkey, mm -hmm. but the company launched in Nigeria, was registered in Nigeria and for the last couple of years was serving just to Nigerian, uh, Nigerian clients. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think, and, and, and examples like this are happening more and more often. So I think it's going to be uh, an interesting uh, space to look at. Amazing. Um, just before I let you go, because I know we're just about yeah. to head into they're like gonna our, kick us out. They're yeah. going to kick us out. So today, as you, as you can imagine, usually my podcast tends to last quite long. We have like long-winded conversations, yes. breaking and dissecting stuff. But I really appreciate you giving me your time today. And I know it's a short bit of time, but even the advice you've given so far has been extremely useful. Um, I have a lot of young listeners. Yeah. And with most of my listeners, what I tend to do is always ask the, um, the guests to give them two pieces of advice. So as an entrepreneur, if you have two or maybe three pieces of advice that you give to a, an aspiring entrepreneur or uh -huh. someone like wanting to go and do business in Africa or just business in general, what would that be? What were some of the greatest advice that you've received coming up as a entrepreneur businessman? Yeah. This really gets tricky because yes. you have to yeah, decipher all the stuff two. in your head. I have to first quote which really resonates with me after I, especially what happened to me with, with you know, having enemies in business, mm. is that friends come and go, enemies accumulate. Okay. <laughs> uh, and you really got to watch out how you create your enemies. And, mm. and most of business conflicts really come from lack of understanding. Mm. And, and then once you let it escalate, then people become really hateful enemies. Some of them mm. turn bad. But in most of the cases, no one had bad intentions to start with. It mm. always starts with a, with a bad communication. Mm -hmm. And then someone did too much and it, um, it becomes something bad. Mm. 
so I really like that uh, that uh, quote. Yeah. And the second one is don't listen to too many advice, too much advice. Yeah. Because in business, there's this thing called equifinality. You can achieve success in many ways, but does, just because someone achieved it in such a way doesn't mean you. it's also the best way for you. Mm. Um, so sometimes you just have to focus more on execution and, and learning from your own mistakes, as painful as they are. You can't just learn everything from someone else's mistakes and mm. someone listening to... You know, I, the reason why I'm saying this is that there's so many people coming to me, especially after the book was published, asking mm. for advice. And I always say, read books. Mm. Because I read just good stuff on the internet. There's so much free knowledge available. Why do you come to me to asking those basic questions? It, it even seems as if you're, you, you're lazy because yeah. you prefer to ask me that question than to search for it or read mm. the book. And then it's like, then the guy answered me, and many people answered that. I read 100 books per year. And then I say, well, then read half of it, just choose the best ones <laughs> and yeah. start executing. Because yeah. at some point you just have to start putting that mm. knowledge you've acquired into tests and figure out what works for you. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I've noticed that there's like even too much information, which we're then struggling to, to deal with. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's tricky to find the right information and, and then make a hard stop at some point and yeah. test it. Most definitely. I mean, I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, no, it definitely yeah. does. And it's actually wonderful. Um, one of the things that um, I discovered talking to a lot of entrepreneurs in business personal is that they, they, the difference between them and anyone else that has a pipe dream is that they actually actively go for it and try. Yeah. They jump, they jump into the yeah. sea because most people have so many ideas in their head. As they say, the, the, the graveyard or the cemetery is where most ideas are, are buried because people didn't, weren't brave enough to execute it. Yeah. So it's, it's a fantastic piece of advice. America, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Maybe as we'll do it some was, other time a, lo a little bit longer. Most yeah? definitely. We'll yeah, catch up again. I'm, I'm going to read through the whole book. So I'm going to, I'm going to come well prepared in relation to like the stuff you've written and all your wild stories and all the beautiful things that you've done in Africa. But hopefully we can catch up again and really like delve into your life and, and business in general. But I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and inviting me here. So Thanks so much, much for having me. Thanks, man. Thank All you. the best with Thank your podcast. You. I've changed, I've changed, I've changed, I've changed.